Hi, and welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. My name is Laura Boyle, and as always, I'm your host. We're here on the podcast to talk about a variety of topics that have to do with non-monogamy, with the representation of non-monogamy in the media, and with sort of mm, a bunch of things to do with polyamory in general. Today, we're focusing on media representation of polyamory, and as usual, I'm joined by my friend, Abby or Polyanarchy, as she's known on TikTok, to talk about different uh, media properties and how they've dealt with polyamory and non-monogamy in general over the last several months. We're talking about books that came out over the last year or so, some television shows from the last six months, and what we thought about their representation of non-monogamy. I don't have to get into any sort of deep content warnings for those. Most of these media properties were relatively light and fluffy or sort of aimed at a YA audience. So nothing too sort of in-depth in either our discussion of those or in the books and TV shows themselves. They're all pretty friendly, both for sort of watching with your family or consuming yourself. But in general, as usual, we try to mention things as they come up if we think it may be something that an audience member isn't expecting or might find triggering. So if there's something in particular that you know is difficult for you to listen to, consider that. And we do name the properties as we come to them. So if there's one that like you don't particularly want to hear about, be prepared to fast forward for a minute or two as we get to it. And we do, as always, record these a few weeks before they come out. So if we haven't covered your personal favorite representation, uh, and it's recent, do let us know about it and we might cover it in the next one. Or if you've got something new that's coming out in the future and you want to make sure that we do cover it in the next one, let us know. If we missed something, our representation is not perfect, right? Like we're always looking for new things to read and to cover and think about. We have a couple of episodes before this where we cover books and TV and movies, and we know that none of those were exhaustive either. I'm going to link those in the show notes and I'm going to link the blog posts where I talk about like books that I'm reading that have to do with non-monogamous representation. So like feel free to check those out to make sure that we didn't miss it in this episode because we covered it before, right? Um, And yeah, feel free to let us know your favorites and we can see if it's one that we uh, didn't like miss on purpose, you know what I mean? Uh, In general, both of us are sort of voracious readers of many genres and would be happy to check out pretty much any book. Um, And in terms of movies and stuff, uh, my only uh, note is that I am a coward. So if it is a horror movie, I will probably not watch it, but I'll make Abby watch it and tell me about it from behind a pillow. So yes, please send us your recommendations. I can make other people watch the horror for me. Uh, And as a reminder of various events coming up before I get into this interview, um, next week in New Haven, I have my in-person monthly uh, meetup. We've got our polyamorous pub night in New Haven. So if you're in the area, do come down on Wednesday the 13th. Uh, That's free except what you choose to buy for your own food and drink uh, at the Trinity Bar in New Haven from 7 to 11 p.m. And then for digital events and classes... I'm teaching on the 19th for Wicked Grounds, Negotiation for Edge Play, uh, which the link to the tickets is in the show notes. On the 24th, I'm running my Boundary Enforcement and Expression class. That's a Sunday afternoon. That's at 2 p.m. And then 
rolling deeper into the fall. I've got a bunch of things coming up in October that you can find on the events page. And in November, I'm running a retreat, um, a relationship retreat for folks that's called Growth Cycles. If you're interested in attending, it's actually a really fun experience. Um, folks get to come out and do sort of different communication activities and reevaluating sort of wh whether or not your relationship agreements are working for you and what parts of them are working and which parts aren't in a really kind of connective group experience over a weekend. So if you're at all interested, uh, email me or check out the page on the website about it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but yes, without further ado, uh, all of that stuff's in the show notes. And now we're going to proceed on to this conversation that I got to have a fun time having with Abby Polyanarchy about um, different representation in the media of uh, polyamory and non-monogamy. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me and talking a little bit more about various forms of polyamory in media. I'm always excited for these like hangouts and chats. It's so much fun and it's really great to do them with you. I'm always a little low-key astounded that you were like, oh, do you want to do that again? I'm like, do you want to do I'm always down, but... <laughs> Look, I consume a lot of media with polyamory in it, and I think it's more fun for people to hear us talk about it than for people to hear me expound. So, here we go. I get that. Yeah, I'm totally into it. <laughs> so, where do you want to begin? <laughs> so... Here's a question uh, for you as the professional podcaster. Um, do we start with the cringe or do we start with the good stuff or do we sprinkle bad stuff in between good stuff? <laughs> Let's make a good stuff sandwich. Let's put the good stuff on the outside. So start with your favorite polyamorous media of this year. Give it to me. Um, I think that my favorite so far has honestly hmm, probably is To Shape a Dragon's Breath. Uh, that book was just so good. And uh, I love that. I mean, it's it's just a great book, period. But also, like, it is a really important thing for our community to have in that, like, you and I know this, Laura, right? That uh, polyamory as a whole is not like, transparently, it's not a white thing. Like white national, or not nationalism, but, um, white supremacy is like the conqueror mindset, right? That says that monogamy is the standard. But a lot of the like nations and cultures that, conquerors came into had systems for non-monogamous connection and non-monogamous relationships for forever for their entire cultural background and you know it wasn't necessarily and I'm not saying that it was necessarily the norm but that was something that people were aware of was a thing in their community and whether or not you practiced monogamous connections was it the thing that it feels like it is now because white supremacy and conqueror mindset being what it is we came in and uh you know people who looked like us enforced monogamy on the, all these cultures 
And so what I really love is that so much of the representation that we've gotten prior to, I think, honestly, like this year, last year, the mainstream uh, representation has been really white centered. And the thing that I've been really excited about this year is that it feels like it's finally catching up uh, with like, oh, right, these communities are diverse and um, you know, Native Indigenous people to the Americas, they had, you know, things that existed outside of the gender binary. They had relationships that existed outside of monogamy. All the things that we think of that uh, make some of us more progressive-minded folks sort of cringe at our society and our culture, right? Um, that is a uniquely our culture thing. And uh, now it's kind of the global culture because white people came all over the place to conquer things. And yeah, it's just uh, really beautiful to get a story that is really rooted in this indigenous mindset. And so it's just casual. Like it's it's weird to the main character when somebody makes a big deal out of the fact that she is multi-gender attracted, that she is multi-partner attracted too. Um, and so I just really enjoyed the fact that it was treated as, no, this is normal. Like you're the weird one <laughs> in a way that like monogamy is not the default and we need to stop acting like it is. Uh, so I agree with you. I really enjoyed this book. We're talking about To Shape a Dragon's Breath, which is, uh, I don't know if it's like listed as young adult flavored, but it read kind of young adult to me. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was good enough that when I finished it, I went to go see if the sequel was out yet because it's clearly written like paste for a sequel. Um, and it's not out yet, guys. Spoilers. Um <laughs> But this, like, really well-paced, like, a little bit fantasy world flavored, because, like, there's dragons, but clearly, um, like, an indigenous person in a, like, heavily settler-influenced, like, colonialist-influenced world who gets taken out of her village because she has like access to a local dragon and the colonialists have taken over the way that dragons are handled and like all of that becomes a metaphor for all of the romantic things that are also happening in her life which as you said like she gets very befuddled by why the way the colonialists are handling things gets to be the norm anyway and i think all of that is really good uh, metaphorical representation for the way non-monogamous people kind of as we're engaging in our lives look at monogamous and go why do you get to be the default right yeah so it was very validating to read a book where the author lets you engage so deeply with the main character without it necessarily being someone who is a really um kind of blatant 
I want to say like in quotes, woke character, you know, like the stupid thing yeah. that they've been doing in media where it's like the main character is a like rich white kid, right? It yeah. To be that. And that felt really positive to me. And I think books have been doing a better job of being inclusive than like video media has. And I don't know if that's just because book media in general have been doing a better job of grabbing inclusive voices or because where video media is doing that doesn't have as much to do with relationships. I also yeah. think that part of it is that like the internalized dialogue and stuff like that is so much easier to do with written media. Mm -hmm. So like books, web comics, things like that, you can much more access the inner life of a character. And I think that that allows for a level of nuance that you're not going to see in video media because there's really not a great way to do that. Obviously, you know, the Deadpools of the world who are out here breaking the fourth wall, it does happen. But I think that it feels a lot more natural in written media because that's just already what we're doing. Um, well, right. So it feels much less forced to have things like these teenage characters who are experiencing attraction and experiencing the beginnings of relationships but they don't have to be extremely blatant or they don't have to be sort of forced all the way through relationships for it to be good representation right so it gets exactly. to be a very natural progression of relationships and very normalized in a way that in on-screen media we don't get a ton of or it's harder to get greenlit Definitely. And I will say, like, because of that, once again, another thing that I really love is that this book is not a triad. Um, it's not a closed triad. It is a hinge relationship. But and I, I even hesitate to use the word hinge, because there's also allusions to characters outside of the like, two main new you know love interest type people um there's also allusions to that character having a romantic history and having people back home who want to be in relationships with her have been in relationships with her would like to continue and her life is obviously in upheaval because she's been sent off to the colonial place to you know uh go do schooling and stuff so she has to kind of leave her home behind uh very hero's journey um, but it's kind of nice to have that sort of nod to like, this is not a new thing for her. This is just the way that she approaches relationships. And that is why it is so weird that then she goes to this other place and they're enforcing their norms, their cultural standards on her. Um, which I thought was a really interesting way to sort of provide that um even if we're we as people identify more historically to let's say the people living in the more colonial place the more like you know conquer uh norm place even that you get to understand her perspective really well even if that is your framework which i think honestly 
it's part of the reason that this book excited me so much because it does feel like a way that even if this is not something you've thought about yet, it makes it a really accessible way to sort of be introduced to the concept, even if it is not, you know, even if you are not actively out here looking for every single book and piece of media that has polyamory representation, uh, even if you've never heard of polyamory, which, you know, I know that we live in our own sort of TikTok bubble, right? Where we think, well, everyone's at least heard of it now, right? Well, no, probably not. But, you know, uh, even if you come in with absolutely no knowledge of polyamory, I think it's a really great read. Like, and I think it humanizes polyamory and non-monogamy in a way that uh, makes it really accessible. Well, right. And because it and because it makes no effort to like use specific terminology or kind of make a big deal out of it, it just normalizes that people can have multiple loving connections. It really, I think, does a great job of this is just a way life could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... I agree with you that that was a really good one kind of out of the representation we saw in recent months um, for ones that like very much didn't hit for me. I think it was a lot of the TV ones, right? Like yeah. we had a lot of kind of build up and then fell off for television this year, whether it was this recent like, Riverdale set up where it didn't really happen they were just like we don't want to end game having a couple so we're gonna have everybody realize that they dated each other at some point without any intentionality about it or like uh, in the ultimatum queer love where they were like let's set it up where somebody's gonna make it sound like they're really possibly into this but nobody's actually into this we're all here for monogamy we are microdosing this Right. There was a lot of television that kind of set us up for possibilities and then went psych. Yeah, I I honestly I feel like I need to have a sit down with everybody over at Netflix <laughs> and just be this was a joke that my spouse and I made when we were watching you for the first time so that I could do a polyamory and media about it. But mm -hmm. uh, wow, my emphasis was weird on that. <laughs> but uh, it. it it's just like, okay, Netflix, you already did us dirty with you. Which polyamorous person hurt you? Uh, is the polyamorous person who hurt you in the room? Uh, can you point them out to us? If not, can we please like have a tete-a-tete -tete or something? You are just doing us dirty left and right. And I think like, as you mentioned, Ultimatum Queer Love, uh, that one was really I'm just like oh you're so close you're you're like inches away from figuring out that non-monogamy could be an excellent solution um the circle did this a little bit too and even love is blind had some like tiny little nuggets uh because I am absolute trash for all of the Netflix reality television um <laughs> and like all of those had little nuggets where it's like Wait, are you going to actually let polyamory happen? No, of course you're not. You're Netflix. Um, <laughs> but, like, I just want to sit a Netflix exec down and be like, here's the thing, y'all. Um, I have a pitch for you. 
you do a dating show, reality show called Saturated with a question mark. You just get a bunch of polyamorous folks into one of your little setup houses things. Uh, I think there's one even in my city. I actually know there's one in my city. They filmed the circle here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, and just get a bunch of polyamorous folks into that, that situation. And if they want to make sure that they do numbers on it, get polyamorous influencers because we're all eager all of the time to just do whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just throw us all in a house. And I swear to you, you'll get good television from it. Um, but also, like, <laughs> please don't do us dirty. If you're going to, like, mention polyamory, just, like, maybe even just a fringe good example would be just two thumbs up from me. I would be so excited by it. I don't think it's going to happen, but. Well, or even if it's going to be bad examples, because not everyone is good at relationships, right? People can yeah. be bad at relationships and break up and do each other dirty, right? Like, whatever. People are humans. But this thing where, oh, everyone has heard of the word thruple, so we're going to mention it periodically on every Netflix show. Uh -huh. But also... <laughs> everyone is just there for monogamy i guess is just proof that polyamory is in the zeitgeist now which is great fair i suppose yeah. right like we've got to take this with the positive grain of salt that it is this is just proof that we have arrived i like that <laughs> but it gets annoying when it's like oh yeah. okay so now every dating show is going to involve people joking that they're all going to be a thruple that's irritating. Mm-hmm. Like, it reminds me of the conversation that a lot of times people have in comedy where it's like, it's okay as long as you're not punching down. And it, it kind of feels like punching down or like, oh, well, we run a dating show in 2023. So, of course, we have to make a side mention of polyamory and non-monogamy, but we're not going to actually, like, validate it <laughs> yeah, it gives me the same energy as the people on dating apps who like see one non-monogamous profile and go oh my god everyone's polyamorous now how will i ever meet a monogamous person right it's Which like is we just are a non percent of the population we are not the problem with your dating pool i promise. truly like look yeah. if you are a woman on a dating app the actual problems are that all the men are paying for the app so they pop up more quickly and that dick is cheap and plentiful and mm -hmm. <laughs> that that means that most of it is garbage and that like people have been socialized such that these things do not work the same way right like there are a yeah. lot of problems the problems are not that five percent of the population is non-monogamous Pretty truly sure. yeah and like let's be honest like if we can speak frankly as a couple of non-monogamous people who are on dating apps um dick is plentiful and also it is sliding into our dms too like it, it, and uh, a bunch of them are monogamous people who are sliding yeah. into our dms who are also garbage right like yeah it's the garbage like ones we get who are the sliding into people's dms we get the same trash as you do. We also would like it to take itself out. But unfortunately, 
that is, I guess, not how this works. Um, <laughs> also, these are not the people who are listening to my podcast, but it yeah. it has the same energy. You know, this Netflix thing of like, let's make sure that we tease that somebody might say that it's totally okay if you're in love with other people mm -hmm. might mean that somebody ends up polyamorous has the same energy as oh my god everybody out here is non-monogamous now truly no, and not, it's Stacey. just like yeah sorry that we're talking about it now in a public way that people aren't just like putting pineapples up on their front porch and hoping that sends the message um, <laughs> but you know uh i think truly it is just that we all uh, live in a smartphone world, right? And so you now have to occasionally see the non-monogamous people, Rebecca, and that means that we're not going anywhere, but it doesn't actually impact you. <laughs> but yes. You I, said Stacy, I said Rebecca. We I both went with basic me, white girl names. <laughs> this is the big sort of miss of the year is that kind of thing. Yes. Um, I don't know if you have another one that like really didn't hit for you that you'd like to talk about. Um, but say for me, it was just I, I, I bucket them all into Netflix reality trash, like yeah. all of those just like it just again, not to, you know, beat a dead horse, but it was just so disappointing that, you know, you had so many opportunities and you just chose to stay the course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah. like if we turn back to things that really worked mm -hmm. what were some more good ones for you so um i'd be bereft if i did not uh address that um love after the end is a collection of indigenous short stories mm -hmm. um that had it was just sort of in passing. Um, it wasn't really a feature of any of the stories in it, but it had this beautiful allowance for non-monogamy and polyamory in a way that made me really excited when I saw it to kind of opposite end of the spectrum from Netflix reality TV. Um, it would just be casually mentioned like, oh yeah, so-and-so and their partners X, Y, and Z or whoever, like however they do it in the stories. And like that book in general was just incredible. Um, it It is this collection of short stories that is um, indigenous and uh, specifically I think deals with um, mostly two-spirit people. Um, and so that was really cool just from a representation standpoint too um because you know uh another thing that i'm really passionate about is that you know queer representation and this was i picked it up because i was like oh sick this is going to be really great two-spirit representation and i haven't seen much i haven't read much and Frankly, this is part of the way that I learn about things that are maybe outside of my purview, outside of my lived experiences, is mm -hmm. that I'm going to pick up media about them. Uh, and Love After the End was this beautiful um, anthology of short stories. It's like not very long, um, but it is. Um, it was edited by Joshua Whitehead, who is 
um, a semi-popular uh, indigenous queer author. Um, I want to say that uh, I'm not remembering right now off the top of my head what genre they work in. Um, but it was this beautiful collection of different things. And it was just this like sliding in there, just casual mention of polyamory in a way that I really enjoyed. And once again, sort of akin to To Shape a Dragon's Breath, it didn't necessarily go into detail about anything, use terms, but it just is a nod that we exist, um, which I just, you know, I appreciate it. Um, I'd say another one that is more recent that I liked um, was Cruel Seduction, and that is Katie Roberts' recent, most recent um, release. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this one does require you to read at least the last couple because it is a culmination of some plot lines, which Katie Roberts, one of the nice things about her, you know, ro spicy romance stories is that you can kind of just pick them up and read it and be good just having read it for the most part. This one, unfortunately, I will say, like, you need to read at least the last two before you read this one uh, <laughs> because there is some things that she actually sets up in those and this is the first time that she's done a polyamorous dynamic outside of a triad which was so exciting to get a chance to read and it's a common thing that I think people who read her books uh, especially from the non-monogamous communities uh, when we're reading her books, we're saying, okay, this is cool, but you're doing another triad, damn it. Like, <laughs> we have triads for days. You know we're spoiled when we're like, it's just a triad. Please give us more. <laughs> Obviously. That's how, that's that's why that's people are like, like, oh, like 10 years ago, we'd be like. A triad, yay! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, now that we're starting to get more, we're like, okay, now do it better. Do it more realistic. It's great <laughs> that we're raising our expectations. I just also think we're kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, arguably, I would say that TV is at a point where it's like, fine, just give me a triad. Like, that's fine. Just give me a triad. Give me more representation. <laughs> right. And can our triad representation on TV be a little bit functional? Yeah. Can our triad representation yeah. on TV not be a tragedy that ends with like the original couple imploding and the third killing themselves, please? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, I, I will say like Cruel Seduction, it was really nice. Um, I feel like it shows that Katie Roberts is also listening to the people who are reading her book. Mm -hmm. um because it feels like if if an inauthentic attempt was being made it mm -hmm. would be much less thought out than this For one sure. is um like there's arguably a triad dynamic in this i but um it feels like there's a very polyamorous minded approach to it Whereas like the triad forms because 
one person gets broken up with because the other two people are getting married because it's a you know a marriage of you know a tactical marriage or whatever it's these books are ridiculous um I love them they're ridiculous uh it's my favorite junk food whatever Katie Roberts (laughs) drops a new book um but uh like there's a lot of care and attention given to setting this triad up so that each of them build their own relationship with each other in a very dyad sort of way along the road before it becomes a thing where they're all three interacting with each other at the same time they are all having this individual relationship in the dyad portions of the triad uh, and you get to see them all sort of find their groove in those relationships, but also see the ways that the other person can support their partner in a way that they cannot. And so like encouraging that. And um, I found that very endearing. Um, I went into this book kind of hating one of the characters thinking, oh God, no, I don't want them to be our like not monogamy representation. And then it endeared me to them a lot. <laughs> if we love a spicy romance with just enough substance that we like care about the characters <laughs> by the end. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I mean, Katie Roberts, she writes flawed characters. That is like a thing that I think everybody who reads her knows she does. She doesn't mean for them to be perfect. She doesn't mean for them to know how to do relationships or anything. Um, and, you know, um, as a like content warning, there is kink in most Katie Roberts books. Um, this one less so, uh, but it's still an element for sure. Uh, and so it's just really nice because even if the ethics can get a little murky, it's like in a way that feels very based in reality. Like I appreciate that. Um, and I think she does a good job of making the characters check themselves when their morals are a little bit iffy. Uh, I will say like the, the Aphrodite character, uh, she very much, uh, has like baby's first, like polyamorous relationship where like, she's clearly read the ethical slut and is following the rules for ethical engagement. (laughs) Um, And I found that sweet, if a little like, Ooh, okay. All right. Like it, but I think that because of the way that it sort of checks itself, I'm okay with it because it feels very close to the re like, I know people like the way that these characters act outside of the like, plot specific things about like you know being all involved with uh aside from being gods and whatever yeah yeah exactly feel right is like it's a story about people who feel like people in a weird way yeah precisely so i thought that that was a surprise for me i was honestly not expecting um i feel like usually katie roberts does one or two non-monogamous books in her series um but that's usually where she taps out like okay we'll do two we'll do two you can get two this time uh but this this one uh it was the uh, I think it was this 
second non-monogamous book in the series but the fact that it went beyond the triad because even the the triad that exists that's not the only relationship that is happening there's also then a fourth person who is just in a relationship with Aphrodite and that is really cool too that you get to see like a complicated network it's not a close triad yes yes like we've got a constellation they could actually have a a polycule drawing and it would actually kind of look like a molecule (laughs) so that was just a delight it was a nice surprise (laughs) good so I really appreciate that there are like other books and stuff going on. I have not read any of this Katie Roberts series, so I did not get caught up with it in time for us to chat about it today. I was considering whether or not I was just going to agree with you and like make it sound like I'd read everything with this, but I did not have time to download it from my library and like skim just enough to like have two things to add to this conversation so for full honesty no clue and you know what I'm like That's three books fair. behind it was nowhere near close enough yeah uh and Even it's I so weird read popcorn romance that fast i am really 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 fast with popcorn romance but yeah catching that whole series up in the time since i messaged you especially because i was just like <laughs> Oh, this is actually like, I'm surprised. This is good representation. Good enough that I want to at least talk about it. <laughs> yeah, five books in five days was not happening. Yeah, that's like life. <laughs> <laughs> what? You have children and they have needs? <laughs> I know. I know. It's so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> you I mean, I don't live that Work life. exist? Oh, work is my big uh, hurdle, but I Look, can only I imagine. If I audiobook person, maybe if I could combine like a double speed audiobook. But like when I do that, I internalize none of it. And so mm. it doesn't, like my audio processing is not good enough. I tried. <laughs> I really tried. This is part of my problem with video media too, is because between my aphantasia and my audio processing not being very good, I have to like read subtitles on a video to like really get what's going on. And so I just, nope. That's fair. That's definitely fair though. Like I, it's one of those things where I used audiobooks in the past to sort of like be background noise um and fall asleep to when I was younger and stuff like that um and so that's one of the few areas where my audio processing stuff doesn't impact my uh understanding of things I think because my brain my ADHD brain is just like now we're jumping on we we get the plot we get what this means for the plot we can just enjoy the the ambience of what is actually happening yeah i can do a Uh, regular speed audiobook or podcast while i'm doing a task right so if i'm knitting or if i'm cleaning yeah but if i'm trying to work at the same time i can't and it's too much anyway that's fair so that (laughs) aside i appreciate the recommendation and i have enjoyed the first two books so i will get there yeah not there yet (laughs) 
So the listeners and I can enjoy it together after the fact. It'll be great. I love that. Yeah. Probably Um, by the time this uh, podcast comes out, I will have caught up and then people can email me and I can share my opinion with them. Beautiful. Yeah. And feel free to blow my phone up too as well when you're reading it because I want to hear all of your hot takes. Great. Yeah, I think that's all, though, that I had top of mind, at least. This is our most recent roundup, is this kind of catch-up. I honestly did not have a ton of super new things. I'd read that book, um, and I'd seen a bunch of media that, like, teased this, but mostly I've been reading nonfiction and not, like, new fictional media. I recently had a movie recommended to me um that i haven't watched yet called um passages that i want to try and see that's supposed to be pretty good um but i can tell you the description and maybe we can both catch it for the next one of these Um, i would love that you know in six months or whatever (laughs) whenever you decide that you want to listen to me ramble for an hour another catch up on this but so it was called passages and it's apparent the recommendation i got was the plot is one train wreck after another but it's a truly fantastic script the writer captured a real character study of narcissism in relationships and it has uh the raunchiest non-monogamous sex scenes both gay and straight that i have ever seen was my recommendation from another uh non-monogamous content creator um, interesting and it stars Ben Wishaw and one of the women who was in the lesbian film Blue is the Warmest Color. It has a very okay. limited release in theaters currently and will be out soon for streaming and is about a, quote, shockingly narcissistic bisexual man attempting a polyamorous relationship. Ah, I am I'm in interested. a preview in theaters last week. And we're like, if it's not in a city near you because you're not in a big city... You should see it as soon as it's available streaming. That makes me excited because I live in a big city now. So so I might be able to catch it. It's called Passages (laughs) and came out this week. Yeah, I am definitely going to be going to my movie app. (laughs) So yeah, if any of my listeners are in a big city and want to see a like really interesting look at a like person with very bad relationship practices doing a complicated relationship style in an interesting way apparently passages is really good i'm not enough to a big city to have it out anywhere near me and i'm not (laughs) going two hours to see it that's fair that's fair so So many thanks to Abby once again for being with me and chatting with me about all kinds of recent media representation of polyamory. Um, And we're going to have links for you in the show notes to the books that we talked about, as well as uh, to that film that we discussed uh, you may be wanting to get a chance to see. So that that way, if you want to try to check it out while it's still in theaters, you might make it before it leaves. Um, I'm going to check it out once it starts streaming soon. Uh, So 
Thank you all so much for listening. As I was saying at the top of the show, I've got a class coming up in less than two weeks for Wicked Grounds, uh, which is negotiation for edge play on the 19th. Um, And then on the 24th, I am running Boundary Expression and Enforcement. And the tickets to both of those are also in the show notes. You can also follow Abby on TikTok at Polyanarchy, where they not only do great reviews of books and TV shows, but also provide a great window into their queer polyamorous life. Next Thursday, I will be back here on the podcast chatting with Sinclair Sexsmith about DS and polyamory. Um, So I will see you here next week.